You know, it's wild for a Grand Prix in Miami where alongside the winner's trophy, you get silly string and a signed copy of a Dan Marino Miami Dolphins helmet. I have now seen it all. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. My God, a Grand Prix in Miami has finally happened, and it was a trip. Hey guys, welcome to episode 361 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And uh, after years of anticipation and hype, it finally happened, fellas. We had a Grand Prix in Miami, and uh, it was it was a thing, wasn't it? I mean, it was an experience. <laughs> it's... I, I I don't even know how we're going to get through this entire podcast without our heads exploding, because this was so unlike an F1 weekend, but also exactly like an F1 weekend in so many weird and peculiar ways. But uh, to talk us through it and get us through the next hour or so, first up, we have Mr. Ryan Eric Kick. How's it going, buddy? Um, I'm doing well. Doing well indeed. Cool. And we had... We we actually had a man from our show actually be here in Miami this weekend. He's showing off his, his media pass as we speak. God bless him. Um, representing race fans, of course, and a little bit of us, of course, while we're at it. Well, we're very proud to say that our man just come back from Miami. Mr. RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. Uh, yeah, you might know me from being... Being off focus, standing about 20 feet behind Zach Brown, looking at my phone, <laughs> checking my assignments. Uh, that's what you might recognize me from. Um, it was uh, great to set foot in Miami for the first time in my life. I like what everybody is saying is an experience, a very different experience when you're in person, by the way. Mm. One thing I will say is that having lived in Alabama and Tennessee and the southeastern United States, uh, uh, other subtropical climates, uh, I got to say, I'm not built for this heat. I'm not <laughs> built for the heat and humidity. It, it, Miami was like a good insight into what if we had a Singapore Grand Prix, but we left the sun on. Oh. <laughs> to say uh, nothing about... Uh, what transpired over the weekend as everybody's wide-eyed wonder and amazement of Miami Auto International Autodrome going into the weekend had turned by the end, by at least the end of practices and certainly by the end of qualifying. Most of the drivers were just like, hang on a second, this needs some work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a general vibe I was getting, like stupidly hot, a lot of complaints, but it was all right. We we got there in the end. Basically. I discovered a love of cortaditos. What's a cortadito? I've it. never heard of that before. Uh, that's basically a shot of espresso with milk in it. It's a, uh, it's, you can oh. find you can get a decent one of those in any uh, Cuban restaurant in Miami. I want oh. to get up as many of those as, as possible. Taking the local culture, you know. You only yeah. get so many opportunities to go to Miami or Miami Gardens or Miami Beach. Who knows? Awesome, awesome. Not the biggest coffee fan in the world, personally, but that, yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> that was never a thing. I was a tea household. You can blame my mum for that one. But uh, yeah, Miami, everybody. And uh, we're going to get through a lot of Miami. And we might talk about the race a little bit at some point because we have to get through everything else. All of the hype, all of the drama, all of the anticipation. 
was pretty much as big a story to tell with Miami than everything else. Um, and we did have a race eventually, and Max Verstappen's gone back-to-back, and uh, oh boy, um, man is on it. On it. Um, he's in full that guy mode where Charles Leclerc threw the house at him. Could not get close enough to pass. It was a it was a fascinating battle at the front again between them and Ferrari. Some into the, the midfield. Oh, that was a bar fight. We'll talk about some of that as well. We also had one of the biggest stories going into the weekend being the curious case of Lewis Hamilton and his hidden piercings. It's going to have to be explained to be believed, but yes, we'll get through that as well. Um, all of that, and of course the Grand Prix of Miami itself. All the vibes, all the takes. Over the next 40 minutes or so, it's going to be a fun time. But before we get into that, please, you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport one one. Thanks to everyone that checked out the power rankings video, by the way. Over 1,500 of you did that. So thanks a lot, everybody. Much appreciated. Subscribe if you haven't already. Facebook.com forward slash motorsport one one. We're on Twitter, motorsport underscore one oh one. Our personal handles at Harrison one oh one. HD at uh, RJ O'Connell and at Ryan Eric King. Cam's not here, sadly. So you, but you can follow him anyway at cbuckley917. He's got, a, he's got a bit of an illness. He'll be hopefully back next week. Get well soon, big man. Um, it's, uh, we are also on our website, motorsport101.com, which has got all our social media on there as well, as well as our Instagram, motorsport101 on, on pod. I put an extended edition of the race review notes out there as well. I think it's about 2,000 words long in the end. So check that out in the blog section if you want even more takes from me regarding Miami. Um, All of our details and our Patreon page all on there as well. Check that out if you haven't already. Right, let's get into everything with the Miami Grand Prix. Hey, did you hear that they had an artificial marina built at Turn 8? Not everybody knew that they built an artificial marina at Turn 8. It's wild that nobody talked about the artificial marina at Turn 8. I call it artificial because I've heard because it's not fake. It's still real to me, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> I heard they're still looking for Craig Slater out there. They got the Coast Guard looking for him. I was, I, so, I was so disappointed when I went there on Thursday, right? And I realized that there was going to be no socially acceptable me, way for me to walk onto the water because they have they have it all done up like it's an actual like yachts on a pier, which means they have ropes over the docks, mm. which means I, I, I would have there's no real way to sneak around there without being noticed. And I didn't want to get my pass pulled on my first day of being there. So <laughs> all I funny. had to settle for, <laughs> all I had to settle for was uh, just taking a picture that kind of looked like it was from the perspective of somebody who was standing out on the water. Oh, I know. It's, it's funny. We may have joked about this last week that we were going to give RJ exclusive editor privileges of the show this week if he was able to shithouse a funny picture of him at the fake marina. King I've never done, done enough that. editing of the show for a while. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, but no one talked about that fake marina. It totally didn't go viral um, when Craig Slater ended up on accidental Partridge's Twitter accounts of him swimming in the fake marina. Or when Matt and me did that brilliant parody video jumping into the frozen pond. Only it was the fake marina. And he got over 100,000 likes on Twitter and seen over 4 million times. And that was like the Tuesday of race week. Like, this is what this Miami Grand Prix was like. We called it the ultimate vibe check. And we got a lot to, um, to going into this race. We had drivers showing up on 
every media outlet you could think of. I think Lewis Hamilton was on Good Morning America. I think King Fernando was on one of yours in New York, I want to say. I did see uh, that. No, it was it was our buddy Jensen on Good Day Jensen, New yeah. York, which is yeah, the yeah. local uh, morning program here. J- Jensen, a man who retired from F1 like five years ago, <laughs> is getting pulled in for this. Excuse um, me, that is Super GT Premier Class Champion Jensen Button, I'll have you know. Don't, don't you start. <laughs> we had a fake marina. We also got, I think for the first time ever in F1, a Wednesday night concert, which <laughs> it looked like a human cattle market, to be honest with you. But like it was, we had in front of the Hard Rock Stadium stage, we had it all, like after we recorded last week's shows, we had, it was straight into like, this live concert that was one in the morning on Sky Sports F1. It was live streamed on F1. I think they peaked at about 40,000 viewers, um, which is amazing, um, given it was about one in the morning UK time. <laughs> and uh, we had all the drivers and team bosses too. Team bosses too out there, you know. Um, the infamous line of David Croft in full Vaporwave palm tree t-shirt singing go crackers for mike crack which i'm stunned again didn't go viral <laughs> we got finger painting and we had every gratuitous camera shot of the female influencer and fan you could think of um that was a thing on wednesday night and with every celebrity anticipated you could think of even before the weekend had started i mean was this the most hype you've ever seen for a Grand Prix Feathers? Because honestly, if there has been more than this, I'd love to hear it because I'm all ears. Because this was this was crazy even by F1 standards. I can't remember in my adult life of childhood and adult life of watching Formula One, a race that had this much pre-race anticipation. And the thing is right. Um, this is only my second weekend working Formula One from the perspective of a journalist. I don't have much experience, but the one thing that I do remember from last year's United States Grand Prix was just how many people were packing the grandstands, packing the sidewalks around the roads leading into and out of the paddock, how many people Mm. were just spilling out on the roads. It was something that surpassed even what I remember from all the times I went to Indianapolis when I was a young teenager with my dad. Um... I could say that walking around the paddock, there was a similar vibe, except that instead of all the grandstands and all the roadways and all the campus being packed with people, it's the paddock area that is packed with people. And they've got it, the paddock set up, they've got it wedged between the grandstand and the north end of Joe Robbie, pro player, Dolphins, Dolphin, Landshark, Dolphins, Sun like New Miami Hard Rock Stadium. Um <laughs> It's packed wall to wall with personnel, VIPs, celebrities, and obviously, and this is a thing we'll talk about. This race really caters to the VIP crowds. This really caters to the Miami Beach Coral Gables Jet yes. Center One Percenter crowd. Mm-hmm. They got all these luminaries mm-hmm. within our field and plenty outside of it. It was something. It was something different and. I got that vibe not just from myself, uh, just kind of a novice Formula One journalist, but also like people who've done like hundreds more of these assignments than me. They got the same thing. They never seen anything like this before. It was the, it was just the 
it's something different. I, I don't think I'll ever forget like uh, this whole experience. Yeah, like I, I think from the outside looking in, it really felt like uh, the North American Monaco, where mm. while Monaco does have that glamour and the allure, for a lot of you know celebrities in North America, they don't want to go all the way out to Europe, especially on Memorial Day weekend. I think mm. from if you're going from Los Angeles to Marseille, uh, it's like a 13-hour flight. To Miami, it's five hours, and it's not a holiday weekend here in the U.S. You could it's just a weekend trip. You go for the race on Sunday, you get to go home. Uh, it opens the opportunities for a, for a lot of different celebrities to come to Miami for this Grand Prix. Yeah, and we got a ton. I mean, we already saw. You know, I, I, I was the most hateful, sweary, jealous man in the world when on Thursday night I see. Pierre Gasly having dinner with Michael fucking Jordan <laughs> and getting his J signed by the man himself. And Michael, right there, Michael Jordan wearing Pierre Gasly's race helmet. Like, <laughs> you will never see this again. This is a unicorn. <laughs> like, I have never seen anything like it. I mean, I talked about it a bit on my blog on the website and I was like, Trying to list off all the things I could see. I could see Michael Douglas. I know he's a big Petroretta. He was always going to be there. I know he's done Canada a few times as well. You know, both the Watt brothers, JJ and TJ, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady was there. I mean, you, you've had to have seen the, the picture of Lewis Hamilton, David, uh, David Beckham. Tom Brady and Michael Jordan. I can't yeah, well, think of... You said that like David Beckham is like the fourth most recognizable athlete <laughs> in this photo of four people. Yeah, I, was like, I said he was like the like the fourth most prolific athlete of the four when it comes to major career achievements. And David Beckham is, I think, at this point, the most underrated English footballer of all time. Because I think so many people that have been wrapped up in a celebrity image, I don't. I think people forgot he was an amazing footballer. He owns they an MLS movies. club. They made yeah. movies about this man in the UK in the 90s. Let's not forget that, all right? Like, I know Beckham is not the goat of his sport, when you can make very strong cases for the other three being goats of their respective sports, but that was incredible. An incredible yeah. picture. I mean, you've got seven Super Bowls with Hamilton, with Hamilton and Brady. They were playing golf on Sky Sports pre-race coverage together. Nah, not the best swing from Lewis, but, uh, you know, apparently he's playing golf. Better than Charles Barkley. Yeah, because that was held during, I think they had a charity golf event over the course of the week, well, the early part of the week. Uh, But it seems like, you know, someone someone at Liberty Media saw, like, how more, how other sporting organizations are handling this new era of social media. And they Mm. see, like, oh, they're, you know... People are bringing influencers to to their events and things, and albeit there were a couple of newer age influencers at this Grand Prix. Dude, I did not know who Francois Bourgeois was until like uh, until like middle of the weekend, and I gotta say, uh, his contributions to uh, to social media and society are much much cooler <laughs> than anything James Corden has done since getting that Ever. late late show gig. Same. <laughs> Uh, though, I think Liberty looked at that strategy and realized the tried and true influencer method isn't broken. It's 
it's a tale as old as time, especially in motorsport, where, you know, mm. it's still, well, no, I was not talked about as widely before, but, you know, during the Gordon Bennett Cup days, when Germany got to host a race for the, for the first time, it was, it, it's debated on how they chose the site for the race, but the, the popular legend that goes around about it's still why we race in the Eiffel Mountains today and eventually built a Nürburgring is that simply Kaiser Wilhelm II simply just liked that part of the world and uh, vacation there and picked the, for the race to be held there. <laughs> race it but, and we will come. <laughs> it's like even a century later, the, the cultural cachet of the United States still looms large. People know who our athletes are. People know who our movie stars are and our musicians. If they show, if they're all at one place over the course of a weekend, people are going to hear about it. Yeah, like, okay, who invited DJ Khaled? Um, <laughs> I want answers. We do not respect DJ Khaled in this house, okay? We, <laughs> the, they, like, the, of all the Miami-adjacent celebrities that I expected to be there, obviously Will's having to lay low because of the slap. <laughs> um Pitbull is off um, is off doing other things at the same time. By the way, NASCAR scheduled their Goodyear 400 at Darlington on the same exact time. Um, all we got was Dwayne. All we got was The Rock. But, hey, they got plenty of other non-Miami adjacent celebrities to show up there. I love how you say, all we had was The Rock. <laughs> all we had was Dwayne The Rock Johnson, arguably the most recognizable man in the world. <laughs> you know, you know that you know that that inner that guy that was wrestling for the Intercontinental Belt in the late 90s. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> what, what happened to him anyway? Um yeah, I saw that. I saw I, I saw Catherine Hand down there. I was like, "Oh, so it was Williams all along then. That was cool." You know. <laughs> It was there's like the Watt brothers, like the Watt couple, the Watt brothers were the Hass pit crew on Friday, and like all I just said to myself watching that was, my God, JJ, what is that humongous, humongous human being? He is six six tall and six six wide. Um, I'm trying to say this in a way that sounds like, oh, I'm so edgy and counterculture that I don't invest myself in celebrities and all that. On Sunday afternoon, like hours before the race, there were so many people that like. I couldn't pick out even some recognize like only like a handful of recognizable faces out of a crowd, and that's like the drivers. Oh yeah. Otherwise, I'm just getting lost and just like, oh my god, there are way too many people. I need to come back to the media center for some air conditioning and a bottle of alkaline water. That is what I need. I no. I do not blame you. I do not blame you one bit. It, it was so wild that like Joseph Newgarden walked past Sky Sports F one on a on a casual segment, and, and you would never have been able to tell. It was just like, <laughs> oh look, Wait, Joseph Newgarden, the champion, Joseph yep. Newgarden. It's like oh. Not even going to give him an interview. All right, cool. Uh, but we got, but yeah, we got, yeah, that's uh, like RJ. You're you're you know obviously follow IndyCar a long time, and you're a big New Garden fan. And he was at the event, and there's just so many celebrities, athletes, and other noteworthy people that mm. you didn't even realize that he was also there. I recognize yeah. Colton. I recognize and and Romaine and Marcus and I even got to talk to Callum Islet for like two minutes. I did oh, not wow. know that Joseph was there. I passed by Mario and Michael. Yeah, 
Yeah. They, they were too busy doing the rounds saying, shift. please like our F1 project. <laughs> but Sign no, the treaty, the value, the value of our teams. That was one of like, <laughs> the most asinine things of the whole event. And like, like, oh, yeah. Being open about that for a quick second, it isn't about the quote-unquote value of our teams. You invite one more team in, we gotta split the pot another way? Nah, screw that, fam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't care about that, King, we just want two more quality drivers on the grid, you know? Um, That's what I care about. Hell, I want four sits. <laughs> yeah, who, who, who doesn't? But, you know, it's it was an incredible, like, we, like a spectacle that was even there, like, it was just incredible. And we even had James Corden to lower the mood. So, you know, that was that was a thing. Bring back Craig Ferguson, you bastards! I've not, been, I've not been, like, the hugest <laughs> proponent of Danica Patrick lately, although I do respect her accomplishments, but I did just wanted to know what it would have been like to see her take a swing at James Corden for saying, oh, IndyCar's only got four corners, you know, this is much <sighs> Right to her face. God, could you could you imagine? I can't. I cannot wait until like Corden left the McLaren garages and just like wait for many people to say, "Oh, thank God that guy's out of here." <laughs> the, yeah. the amount and of like, <laughs> while, while I'm glad due to her political beliefs, she does engage in respectability politics. If there is <laughs> one moment for her to just turn back the clock a decade and pop off at somebody, oh my God. I, I I would have immediately gone to eBay and bought every Danica Patrick piece of merch. You can imagine if that had happened. No, I'm not giving her money, but I'm def- definitely getting a retweet. Dude, who, who, would, who would have lost a popularity contest to James Corden this weekend? It's got to be a short list. It's got to be, what, Hitler, Mussolini, Tojo, and Bin Laden? <laughs> It's a, it's a short list. It, 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 it's 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 not very short and plentiful. Oh man, this was this was a crazy crazy weekend of stuff. Everybody got to learn about the wonders mm. of Florida sh- sun showers because it would just mm. the sky the skies would be clear right, and then you'd have a cloud come over and it just rains buckets for forty five seconds, and then it goes away and in five minutes it's completely dry. That was Loved the whole pre race build up going into Sunday wow. before the race. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I'd like just just see it's like, guys, you're in Miami. It's like ninety percent humidity and it's thirty degrees. It's going to evaporate the moment it hits the deck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we know what's happening. They're like rain is like a red rag to a bull if you're an F1 fan. It's like rain, rain, rain. <laughs> Shit. This you is know? it's like it's like it's like uh, asking a dog like, hey, do you want to fetch the ball? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly on, what it's there's like. There's some rain. There's some. There's rain in the world. I have 15 minutes. Come on. Come on. Go get the ball. Yeah. Go get the ball. Okay. Yeah. Listen. This. 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 This was such a, a crazy, crazy weekend in terms of hype up. And I said I barely even touched on the concert, and that was wild enough as it is. We had finger painting. We had, we had dad dancing. Oh my we god! No. 30, <laughs> We had thirty-five dollar lemonade. Um, yeah, shout out to the man Jake Paul. Not that one. Uh, Jake Paul of uh, of Red Bull Racing for letting me know about that one. Yeah, paying thirty-five bucks for two lemonades. More on that later. But uh, yeah, that was a thing. It's like seeing all the team bosses and pretty much all the drivers on one stage at the same time, and then Crofty saying, "Get your phones out, people. Take some pictures." And I'm just like, oh. Oh, shoot me. We oh. almost had a team principal's parade. 
yeah. for the weekend. Gunther Steiner was just like, ah, I wouldn't want to be bobbed on the back of the dump truck. There's like a there's like a bubbliness the way that Gunther Steiner speaks that's really compelling to me when you get past like all the swearing that he does on his Netflix show. Which by the way, very late of the weekend, they re-up drive to survive for another couple seasons because well, Netflix yeah. has got to hold on to something of value because uh ooh, things are looking rough. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought that encouraging people to, you know, not give their passwords out while continuing to jack up the price uh might be a bad <laughs> idea. Who'd have thunk it? Oh. No, but maybe. don't worry. Drive to Survive will will have everything. It will save the sport. It will save Netflix. It will build bridges amongst communities. It will solve world hunger. Season five and six confirmed for next year. That'll be fun. So, gentlemen, shall we talk about the race itself for a moment? Yeah, just just briefly. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll get back to the celebrity fapping in like in a minute. But like, we've got to talk about the race a little bit here. Verstappen goes back to back, and. This was not a straightforward race at all. And, you know, we it was very similar to Bahrain as it goes. You know, it felt like it was going to go one way. And then we had a late safety car because Pierre Gasly thought it would be a really good idea to drive around the track for two laps of a broken car. <laughs> um, he hits Lando Norris. We get a late safety car. They try it again. Like, Leclerc throws everything in his arsenal to try and get past Max Verstappen. Can't quite do it. Max doubles up and is a 19-point championship lead. Max is within a race again already when he was, what, 39 points down after Australia? It's amazing how these things turn out. Gentlemen, what did you make of it as a race? Um, there's There's a saying that C's get degrees, but if you're in the right school system... Um, particularly in Alabama, D's also get degrees. You you can pass with the sixty or above. I'll tell you, this race, it got on the stage. It got its diploma. It was certified as no less than average and no more than pretty decent. I rate mm. it as capital F fine registered trademark. I, I would bump it up to, it was, it was all right, uh, knowing the sheer number of overtakes that we had. A lot of that was down to just how powerful all the DRS slot was. And we had three of them. And it turns mm. out we really, really needed them because there was so little grip off the racing line. And all the drivers were on edge about that the minute they hit the track. Mm. But we ended up having more rakes than any any race this year other than Bahrain. So that was better than expected. Uh, I was a bit surprised that so many drivers were willing to turn this into a one-stop race, given the track surface was also very sketchy. They don't make it like they normally do, and parts mm. of the track were breaking up because a cleaning machine was ruining at turn 17. Uh, and when the track was patched up, they were saying this track surface is not, not FIA quality. It's not fit for purpose. Uh, in particular, like, I'm surprised Leclerc didn't try it. I'm surprised more of these drivers didn't try to stop. But I can't add anything more to just how Verstappen drove. That was that was clinical. That was perfect. That was the kind of Max Verstappen drive that would make people, stupid people, think that he sold out since his first few years in the sport. And given how his weekend started with a mechanical failure in FP2, I think he'll take it. I also want to shout out Alexander Albon. Two for two oh. in races after getting his hair dyed red. Um, he <laughs> did He did this initially after, before Australia, he visited a local orphanage in Thailand. Um, oh. He saw a couple of kids that had their hair bleached. 
And you decide, you know what? I want to be like them. I want to get my hair bleached. I want to get it dyed. He scores points in Australia. And then he gets touched up before Miami. This is actually the first time that I noticed that Albon's hair had been dyed, which just goes to mm. show how lost in the fog some things get. But he touches it up. He scores his 10th on the road, and then he gets bumped up to ninth after post-race penalties. As a former unnaturally colored hair haver, I want everybody in Williams <laughs> to get on board in this because it is working. The race was fine. <laughs> Appar- yeah, apparently he had a bet with the Williams crew that if he scored points with it, everyone's getting their hair dyed red. So I, I hope as many people in that Williams garage get on the wagon, and I love the hopes and reasons behind that too. A lot of people complained about this one on social media. Now, I think a, a part of that is that they had the world feed. And look, the second half of this race was chaos. Pure, unmitigated yeah. chaos. So I get it. I get the complaints. They were probably valid. I mean, I have the fortune, the, the fortunateness to watch via F1 TV, where we get multiple camera angles a lot of the time. So it, I... I sit from a position of privilege where I can say it wasn't that bad for me. I got to see most of the action. Um, and, you know, I, I, I said to people, like, are you sure we're seeing the same race? And turns out we probably weren't, <laughs> in all fairness. Um, so I don't think there's a wrong answer on this one, per se. Um, I thought, this, I thought this, was a, this was a pretty good race. I actually ended up re-watching it before this, this show at work, and I was like, that was better than Australia. Yeah, it'll right. age. It will age well, I think. It will. Obviously, I think it like will. Uh, to satisfy the hype, it would have had to be a race of the decade contender, which this wasn't. But right. this wasn't as bad as the terrible TV direction made it. And you want to talk about like uh, broadcasting privilege? Uh, that not only do they pump in the F1 TV feed into the uh, into the media center, which by the way they basically just turned. The, uh, the entire uh, hospitality suite of Joe Robbie, Pro Player, Dolphins, Dolphin, Landshark, Dolphin, Sun Life, New Miami, Hard Rock Stadium into a giant media center. They also didn't pump in the Sky Sports feed before the race. So uh, for the second weekend in a row, I did not have firsthand witness to Martin Brumble- Brundle bumbling on the grid in front of celebrities oh. that are not F1 people. <sighs> Oh, all I'm saying is, thank God I was watching an F1 TV and didn't have to see that. But people, people of Twitter, you do not have to defend this man anymore, okay? I, I, I promise you, we will be fine in an F1 world without Martin Brundle in it. He's, he's, no, he's, he's in his 60s now. It's okay. We, we, as a, we as a society have moved beyond the need for Martin Brundle and his awkward bumbling grid interviews. I know Andre us- Harrison, don't you understand that this is part two of the yassification of Martin Brundle? The f- fuck the yassification of Martin Brundle, okay? Like, no, we've moved, uh, same we've moved on from this. No, like, good yeah. enough driver, just, you know, just don't, <sighs> don't put him out in that situation as a pundit. Which is amazing because he says on Twitter he hates doing them. Well, then tell them not to do it anymore, then. <laughs> it's that simple. No, but this, I, I said, I enjoyed this one. I really enjoyed this one. Um, you know, fight for the lead title was, was pretty tame until the final safety car. The midfield was a bar fight. Like, this was the Hasses tag teaming people. We had Valtteri Bottas trying to hold off the Mercedes behind him, and then he went wide a little bit. And... King, I, I think I need some counselling because um, 
we had a top 10 anime betrayal moment when <laughs> when Mick Schumacher plowed into the side of Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> they were both going to score points. Why? They're running, they're running down in the turn one, and uh, seemingly Mick just locked up. He, he misjudged the corner, locked up, and just plowed right the Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I'm, this uh, that took, that and the uh, the Norris and Gasly dust up in the middle of the race kind of took away from like. One of one of the scruffiest drives that Fernando Alonso's had in a long time, uh, which which gives me the incentive to uh, to share with y'all. Probably the most I'm not posing as a public because I, I respect the guy too much. I'm gonna, I'm just going to share with you what I, I think is like the most unflattering candid photo of Fernando Alonso. It's, <laughs> it's that was it was really indicative of his race. It was not great. I will say though. Esteban Ocon going from effectively the back of the grid to scoring points. That was good. That was great. That was great. And, and shout out to Lance Stroll, who went from the pit lane to finish in 10th in the end after all the penalties. And, oh, I can't figure a... Lance Stroll out. <laughs> Two races ago, Lance Stroll will be unfit for purpose as a Formula One driver, and the, and two two rounds later, he will come in and he will scratch and claw every single ounce of performance that Aston Martin has out of it. I yeah, hit this dude. It would have been both Astons in the points if it wasn't for Mick basically ruining every fan fiction out there by having himself dive bomb the ever loving shit out of Sebastian Vettel. Um I'm not saying this marriage is over, but what I am saying is is that we're going to need some counseling. Um we're going to need to be swingers for a bit. <laughs> not sure about that one open, personally. We need to open up this relationship. Oh, oh no no that that was rough. K-Mag was in the wars out there as well. It was it was pure adrenaline for a lot of this race. Like, even the Mercedes got into it at one point. Like, Hamilton and, and Russell were, were, were beefing over strategy and on track. That was funny as well. I mean... Yeah, could was... you imagine if this was for first place and not fifth? What? Like, <laughs> L- Lewis telling his pick or you make the call. That's your job. <laughs> like, oh, man. Th- th- there was so much... This was there was so much going on with this race. It, 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 it was for a six, seven out of ten sort of race. This had a lot to dice, and I agree with Roger. I think this will age better with time. I really do. Um, you know, the track itself did have some some fallacies, which we'll get to at the end. But like, can't fault it as a spectacle. Like from a Grand Prix, it wasn't dreadful by any stretch of the imagination. What it was a, a good solid Grand Prix and that's about the minimum you hope for in an F1 yeah. race these days. So I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Because I thought this was gonna be a clunker when I first saw that track play out. I was like, oh don't know about that one, Chief. But uh, it, it, it's it, diff it's different. It uh, is. I think I think there is not a soul in the paddock that likes the uh the fourteen fifteen uh chicane the uh, the Formula E chicane that they just no. jammed in the middle of the track, but it had to be there. But, but it, yeah, it it kind of had to be there because they you can't pass under one of the underpasses above a certain speed. And oh, by the way, shout outs to some of the photographers that were that were uh, parking themselves on the middle of the freeway against the rules, risking their passes getting pulled just to get shots over the top of that. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
dude. Brave Souls. Brave Souls. Now, speaking of Brave Souls, one of the biggest stories going into this weekend. The fake marina. <laughs> Besides <laughs> Alan Partridge and the fake marina. Um, guess what, folks? It's a Lewis Hamilton story. Your favorite. We love talking about these on the internet, don't we? Um, yeah, he's in a bit of a battle with the FIA regarding... Niels Wittich and is clamping down on jewellery. Now, generally speaking, jewellery and not particularly wearing it in the middle of an F1 car has been a rule since 2006, but it's been pretty lightly, if not enforced at all, until this year when Niels Wittich became one of the two new race directors. I think first round out of the box, he was saying, no, we're, we're clamping down and enforcing this rule. Um saying, no, no, you can't be wearing jewellery in the car, lads. And, well, Hamilton's been speaking out against it pretty much from day one, probably probably been the most vocally against this rule, and it came to a bit of a head going into this weekend. He, quite funnily, I have to say, broke out more bling than flavour flav on the Thursday press conference. Three watches, um, and every bit of, of the jewellery box you can think of came out. Uh, and he even mentioned uh, he had not only two ear piercings, but two, quote, difficult-to-remove piercings, one of them being the nose stud and the other one being, well, you can guess at home about that one. But um, <clears throat> My man, now, The seven-time champion of the world just said without saying that he has a Prince Albert. <laughs> I hate that I had to Google what that was because I didn't know what that was until he meant, until that was mentioned on Twitter, and I had to delete my search history. Um, so, uh, by the way, people the with Prince case. Alberts really love it when you when you say, "Hey, doesn't that hurt?" They they really don't get tired of hearing that. Ask me how I know. <laughs> anyway, um, like they. Hamilton spoke to the FIA medical staff. They came up with a, with a common sense solution for now. They're giving him a two race exemption on this rule to deal with the more quote difficult to remove piercings. Um, but you know we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens after Catalonia. But in the meantime, where do you guys sit on what has been affectionately labelled as jewelry gate? Hi. <laughs> I absolutely despise Jewelry Gate from the standpoint of pretty much like the way you described it, especially with the FI medical team giving him the waiver to run and allow him time to, to resolve the issue. Like hmm. the FIA are being clearly cooperative and trying to be understanding about this right. and also laying out that this is in fact a safety issue. Yes. And it is a safety issue. There is no argument that this is not like a safety issue. I mean, I don't think you need me to explain how having an earring or a chain or a watch in a vast moving car at 200 miles an hour might be a problem. Like, yeah. if you if you need that if you need that explaining, you're probably listening to the wrong show. Quite frankly. Um, it's obvious. It's I actually I can't believe I got pushback against this when I mentioned it on Twitter on Thursday that this absolutely is a safety issue. And the amount of bullshit I had to get in my mentions with people telling me, "Oh, it's not a big deal." What are they talking about? But look, first and foremost, for the people yeah, out like, there, yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. So the thing is that. It, 
it tends to be mainly a thing in motorsport because you hmm. see less lesser severe injuries in other sports just because you know it's more more physically demanding in the sense that you you have to use a lot of your joints way more. But sure. in motorsport, when there's an injury, it usually is catastrophic because yes. there's no in between. It's either you crash or you don't. It's either zero or a hundred. It's not like MotoGP yeah. where you get a lot of these like medium injuries, like a broken arm or a broken limb or something like that. In, in F1, or it's normally ACL. zero or a hundred. Yeah. And you never want to be in that situation where something could have been prevented. Because right. we, we say this all the time where, oh, quote, it'll take something bad to happen until something changes. And the FIA clearly wants to get ahead of something they fear could be an issue if someone has an accident. Right. And just suddenly there's just all this pushback. There's all this pushback. Uh, like, I don't want to get into it. Like, well, sort of the the idea of, you know, it's been, I think, at least 40, 50 years since drivers wore watches in the car, and now the FIA had to just amend a directive, just reminding the drivers, hey, you can't wear watches in the car. Uh, just imagine if, say, back at Bahrain a couple of years ago, if Romain Grosjean was wearing a watch in the car when he hit the Armco and his car burst in the flames, and he, and uh, obviously the most vulnerable parts on the driver's body when it comes to uh, a fire and a heavy impact are where the seams are, where uh, where the driver's suit meets the gloves, that gap in between with the wrist oh, yeah. up their hand. Uh, their their ankles and their feet, and obviously the opening of the visor and the opening of the helmet around their neck. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, around your neck, on your wrists, that's where you're most likely going to have jewelry. Right. And I need to point this out as well because a lot of people seem to make this accusation towards me, like on social media. Look, they are not targeting Lewis Hamilton specifically with this rule, and the reason why I know they are not targeting. Lewis Hamilton with this rule is because just last week at the Monaco E-Prix, Mitch Evans and Pascal Verline were both given a penalty point on their licenses and a suspended fine of a thousand euros for wearing chains during qualifying. No, Lewis Hamilton is not the only driver out there that likes jewellery. This is not Hamilton being targeted, but of course, it's going to feel that way because it's a Hamilton leading story. No, he's not being targeted. Please stop being... I know Formula E gets 120th of the coverage (laughs) that Formula One gets. I'm not arguing that for a minute, but if you did 10 seconds of basic homework, I know the Formula E stewarding page is probably growing dust on it as we speak, but it doesn't take a lot of digging to get to the bottom of this and have undisputable proof that, no, it's not a Hamilton-led story. It's not the sports trying to get back at him for what happened in December. No, it's nonsense. And the thing is, it's the exact opposite of that. Right. Because, you know, when this new administration came at the FIA, they made it a point to honor the agreement made with Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes that they would do what they can to improve officiating. And uh, kind of enforcing what's in the rule book is how you improve officiating. And it's it's also the idea that 
a lot of the things that happen in Formula One, well, specifically Formula One, as well as the other world championships, trickle down the ladder to the junior series. And whether that be the safety features with the Halo and other advancements made in F1, but also how the racing is governed and and what kind of behavior the FIA wants to instill in terms of taking safety seriously. Right. And when you have the most accomplished driver in the sport pretty much saying, no, this doesn't matter, what does that tell the other drivers, not only in F1, but all the way down the ladder in, in say, national-level F4? I thought we wanted the FIA to lead by example. I thought we wanted them to enforce the rules. I had to sit down for three months of this off-season after December being told by people that the rules have to be enforced, but no, not like this. Um, not when it suddenly affects like the, the guy you think is the only guy that wears jewellery, as if Lando Norris and Charles Leclerc haven't had six-figure watches stolen in the last year. Yeah. But no. And, but no. But no. They're targeting Lewis because Lewis is the only one that wears jewellery because no. that says way more about what you suppose about people than you think it does. Right. Right. That's exactly what it is. And I mean, RJ, what, what did you make of all of this? Oh boy. Um right. So I I don't disagree with the idea that this this has been kind of a blind spot for the oh, yeah. entire back half of the Matt Mosley presidency and the entirety of John Todd's FIA presidency, which overlaps the time of Lewis Hamilton leaving McLaren and be, and going from corporate champion to best in the world, with way more tattoos, way more jewelry, way more high fashion sense, all that. And I'd also say this also parallels with, well, decades before Lewis, how uh, effectively over a span of 15 years or so, teams c took control. And basically the FIA said, have at it to the point where the mm. teams were the FIA. And pretty much the rules, ah, they don't really matter. They were the interpretations of one dude who's definitely going to be here forever, not just suddenly and unfortunately pass away. But this 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 system's fine. We don't actually have to be a professional sport. I yeah. loved the pettiness during the Friday press conference. It was funny. When we knew that because this reminder had come down on Thursday night, I'm thinking, how long does it take for somebody to ask Lewis about the jewelry? It took two questions. I love that he brought in, he didn't just bring in his jewelry drawer. He brought the entire JCPenney jewelry case with him and wore it <laughs> on his body. Three watches, six necklaces, four, four rings. I don't know. Maybe I see it differently. And I promise I'm not saying this out of just like, mm. like forced stupidity and ignorance to the hazards of wearing necklaces and jewelry environment. Because, look, I've I've heard enough shop class elementary school horror stories to know, like, mm. yeah, if you have loose-fitting necklaces and jewelry in a working environment, such as being in a Formula One car, yeah, th if, if you get snacked, things can go catastrophically wrong. Yeah, like, I still remember... Uh, the first, like, the, the first time I've seen it gone bad in a major way and the person you know talk about it afterwards 
and we're gonna bring up another late night talk show host. But uh, there was a story back when his show was be- slightly better than it is now. Jimmy Fallon, where mm. I think it was still when he was hosting the Late Show, and he talked about uh, the only piece of jewelry he wears is, is his wedding band. And there was a moment where I think he said during a rehearsal, he had accidentally caught the band on the desk and he pulled his hand away and he completely degloved that finger. And if you know oh. what that means, I'm oh. not going to go further than that. Uh, 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 oh. uh, so I just want to, I want to transition out of that uh, because I'm feeling phantom pains is like, from my, from what I gathered, this wasn't just like the most unhinged Hamilton stance. It was like even felt like Pierre Gasly let in that let out of that press conference question was just like I wear a necklace too all the time and that's very important to me and yeah I do think it's silly. It's Gasly, it's Sebastian Vettel, it's a few other drivers that were saying yeah this is a bit silly and how how it feels like it, how it's being perceived as it's being reinforced. Obviously the drivers, they, they, uh, they have a much different perspective on their own well-being and safety than we do from the outside. But it was like, it, it does feel like more reasonable people could draw a reasonable conclusion that it is being leveled a little bit unfairly. And I mean, it's obviously not to the same degree, but let's not forget that Lewis Hamilton's already forced the FIA to change their post-race dress code because his choice of t-shirts in the, inter- in the post-race interviews made some very dumb and powerful people piss their pants in worry. It especially feels a little bit short-sighted to fixate on a nose piercing the size of a pinhead when during practices, Carlos Sainz Jr. and Esteban Ocon hit straight concrete at turn 14, less than 24 hours apart. Ocon hits a 51 G's and destroys his chassis and driving around the rest of the weekend with all around soreness when they could have just put a tech pro barrier out there. It's a mess is what I'm trying to say. And I'd like to think that this will be resolved in a couple of races and that all of this will be over in a couple of races. Uh, yeah. We'll get the pliers out for Lewis. I mean, <laughs> look, I am not dismissing the sentimental value that some people have wearing jewelry. I mean, again, I'm not going to spoil too much of what I wrote about on the website, but you know, I I used to wear my late uncle's bangle after he passed away a couple of years ago, and look, I banged that motherfucker like countless times on desks, doors, and like hooks, you name it, because it was two sizes too big for my arm. Because my uncle was. Big fucker. Like six foot four, 280, you know, that sort of guy. But, and I, I've always loved, and people think I hate this man for some stupid reason, because, you know, I, I try to be as impartial as I can when I talk about takes on the internet. I love Lewis Hamilton and what he does on and off the track. I, I can't believe I have to keep trying to make this point, because people think I hate the dude, and I just don't. I'm not, and I think anyone that knows me well knows it's the complete opposite to that. And it was a thread by a good friend. I have no problem saying it. Ex-partner, Tiff, um, who I mentioned in, in my website post. And she put a great thread there reminding me a little bit about that self-expression. That's part of the reason that's made Hamilton who he is. And yeah, 
I can completely understand how that might suck. Having to take those out or having to take a piece of jewelry, having to take a piercing out or a necklace off and how that might feel like you lose a little bit of yourself in doing that. I completely get that. I work for an employer's right now and my tattoo, the one that's got Harrison 101 now, that you may have seen it numerous times if you've ever seen me in person. Like, I work for an employer where I'm meant to have that covered up. And I never have and I never will. And I've luckily got a very understanding boss. And I know a lot of people don't get that same luxury. I completely get the sentiment that a lot of people have come out with where it says, you know, I don't want people to lose that freedom of expression because I think that's important. But we are in a professional sport at the end of the day. And I'd say it's not even like, mm, I I don't want to say it's not about expression. No. But it's, (laughs) it's at a moment in time where... They're not. They're not telling the drivers that you can't wear jewelry during the race weekend. They're not mm. saying that you you can't wear it on the podium. Yeah, we're not or, going or, like full NBA, like David Stern era NBA, like uh, high school, like private school dress code shit. No, it's, of course not. It's simply you can't wear it in the car. Yeah, which, right. Uh, again, it's it's again it's your own personal office slash potential coffin uh it is yeah and like honestly there's some wild stuff that has gone on in those cockpits over the past recent years in international single-seater racing let's not forget the time that one uh one American who shall not be named had oh. a cell phone in the cockpit. Oh, we could, yeah. We could, we could say it's Santucci Perino. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, it's it's not the wildest thing we've seen in a, in a single-seater cockpit. In re, in it's not even the times. wildest thing we've seen in a car. The late great Dick Trickle lit up a cigarette during a caution flag <laughs> during a NASCAR race at Talladega. Oh, yeah. years on, by the way. Yeah, you, and I, look, I, I, the, the point, and I think that me and King are on the same page here when it comes yeah. to this, is that You've got to draw the line somewhere, and if and if heaven forbid, driver X has an has an accident and an injury is heightened or made worse because of a piece of jewelry that was in there that should have been in there when the sport has a rule forbidding that, who do you think is going to get shit on, the driver or the FIA? The FIA is going to get yeah, shit on for the this. FIA, especially and given it's, it's turned the other way for fifteen years on it for the most part. Yeah, and. Like, and I think Lewis gave the FIA an offer of, oh, he's willing to sign a waiver to, you know, forego any liability the FIA might face should something happen. But again, that's not the point. Like, there's there's a line where even if he does sign the waiver and something happens, while while the FIA might not be, be held legally liable, People are still going to look at the organization that you allowed something like this to happen. They don't care. Waver, be damned. Yeah, they're going to torch like, the FIA I, I mean, and deservedly so. <laughs> like we talked about this, like way back in the early days of the show when we were mm. talking about Japan 2014, and we talked about how yeah. numerous drivers ignored double flag rules, and we talked about how the drivers need to be need to be policed against themselves and agreed one while not as extreme mm. 
And the FI did take action. They implemented the virtual safety car. Uh, they deployed the safety car w- way more often nowadays, simply mm-hmm. because the drivers need to be protected from themselves. And while not yeah. as severe, this is one of these moments. Yeah, like we said it back in 2014. I'm, I will say it again here. Maybe we shouldn't hold the drivers of them as the just because like and I'm not just for a second dismissing how incredibly hard their jobs are and the incredible risk that comes with it. And I get that sentimentality that some people have to say, oh, yeah, the drivers should be the ones to choose. The drivers should not be the moral arbiters of everything that should go on in a car or not, just because they're if the you, ones If that you are listen to drivers lives. on everything uh, and uh, just like outside of this whole issue, we mm-hmm. would not be going back to Miami. Right. And the words of some people, but that's not going to happen because they're on a 10 year contract. Right. I'm just thinking more yeah. along the line. I'm just thinking more along the lines of like, I, I, I am 100% in agreement that is a safety issue, but I also don't want to discount people of marginalized backgrounds who feel like, yeah, this is, this kind of targets them. But again, uh, not, not to bring it up. Me, Dre, we're people of marginalized backgrounds. Hi, black guy here. Um, just wanted to point out that, yeah, the white dude actually got punished for this last week. It, oh, yeah. Um, don't worry. Um, I, I'm good. I promise. Um, I, I get I get the fight. That's fair. But this, this is not that fight. Like I said, the, the white guy got hit with this last week. Hamilton got an exemption. We good. We good. We good. I, 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 will, I, I will take this reversal of fortunes right here. Thank, thank you very much and good night. I will, I um, will, I will hang my gloves up. <laughs> I will hang up. I will hang up the gloves. I will hang up the shorts. Uh, as, as, much as, we, as much as, 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 as much as the Mitch Bra Society has taken many an L in the last week, um, we, we good. I promise. Nah, look, it, I, I, I get it. I completely get it. Like I said, I do not want to dismiss that sentiment. By, by, and there is valid points on the other side of the defense, but at the same time. I'm with the FIA on this one. Um, before we get out of here, folks, final thoughts on the madness of Miami in general, the multiverse of madness of that was Miami, I guess you could say. I love having Jamie Chadwick be the forward face of the W series, but when she, if, she, if and when she wins title number three, this has got to be it. She's got to have some more career mobility. Yeah, that, because that's my summation on the W series. Yeah, because her her team boss Caitlyn Jenner in the in a pre recorded pre race interview did heavily imply that regardless of outcome, this will be Chadwick's last year in W Series. It's going to be Chloe Chambers' t- team next year, by the looks of it. No, no matter what, Chloe Chambers so. did excellent. Chloe Chambers on a weekend that was brutal to rookies. And I've already had multiple days to process any number of Juju Noda-related angst over the weekend that I was feeling in real time. Chloe Chambers, for what it's worth, did fantastic uh, in her first weekend. Good for her. I was also half-tempted to come up to Jamie Chadwick and just be like, Jamie, would you like to record an intro for a podcast? Our buddy Ryan is a huge (laughs) fan of yours. (laughs) We all love chatters on here, man. Like, it's not just... It's not, it's not just a king thing. We all love chatters. It's great. I totally get that. Why not? Oh, now that intro would never see the light. You would have recorded it. You would have sent it to me. It would have went into a special folder. Never <laughs> see the light of day. 
Why did you have to go name it the special folder? No! Um, Damn. Uh, I should have, Dara should have used a different phrase. That's staying in. I have um, a phrase <laughs> that sticks with me over this weekend. Uh, mm. Do not kill the part of you that is cringe. Kill the part <laughs> that cringes. Because me, personally, I, I can't speak for the rest of y'all listeners, but mm. that artificial marina... The mermaids hanging out in the artificial beach. There was an artificial beach too, by the way. Yeah. The football helmets. Everybody getting Goldberg entrances out in the podium. Uh, all the special helmets. <laughs> all the leaning into the 1980s Vice City vaporwave aesthetic. Mm. Willie T. Ribs calling Charles Leclerc Chuck. You know, mm. if this is as toxic as American society and sporting culture got, trust me, I would feel a lot happier living yeah. here. Oh, yeah. Because, like, it, in short, we were talking about, you know, earlier talking about self-expression. A lot of these newer races don't really have character or identity. No, just that. Well, Miami certainly does. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a race where I don't mind, like, the celebrity aspect taking up the focus so much. It bothers me in Monaco because that kind of drowns out, like, the history of the event. I guess you got to do something when... Formula One cars and that venue haven't been it consistently for the last 30 years, but I liked it. I liked, I liked the presentation of it. That's not the problem that we need to fix. The track surface was rough and it was coming apart in places. The barriers at turn 14 need to be fixed. The chicane at turns 14 and 15, they either need to go or they need to be modified to better suit these kinds of cars. And for God's sake, we need to find more waypoints to get these stranded cars off the track rather than have them dangling over drivers' heads while they're moving, which is, mm-hmm. obvi- which is not specifically a Miami problem. That is a pur- purpose-built street circuit problem. And then there's the fact that this race, especially from the outside looking at it, from people who, were, who couldn't go and, let's face it, who were priced out of going, it mm. absolutely feels like the poster child for Formula One's Terrible, awful, elitist reputation. $2,000 average ticket prices, including $900 for a weekend and general admission. Look at the amount of crypto feces logos that were plastered all over the track. And even in Miami airport when I walked off the plane. Yeah, like while obviously the ticket prices are the foremost example of American decadence. The race still sold out. Like, yeah, still like you can't say like because lowering the prices wouldn't solve this issue because no. it would just still sell out even faster. Yeah, you can well, get more you're asking, the, you're asking the promoters to take money out of their own pockets, and they're never going to fucking do that <laughs> now, are they? <laughs> Look, I mentioned this in my post again here. As much as I detest the fact that the average ticket price was two grand, and that. Grandstand seats, general admission, were nine hundred bucks, thirteen thousand for the Paddock Club, and no, I don't give a shit about the Paddock Club members giving away their one star Yelp reviews on their catered meals because it was an F one hospitality that handled it for the event. It looked, it looked to me like all your needs were being met. I don't yep. know, maybe look, I just have different priorities. I, look, I openly admit, yes, like. I, I said this in the slot. I said this on my post as well. I said, look, I can't stand the price of this Grand Prix. It's stupid. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably well off, and even I know that's 
stupid money more than anything else. But some of the people that keep complaining about how inaccessible Formula One is are the same people that will line up the moment they drop for Silverstone tickets every year. And that race sold 142,000 tickets in less than two days. Yeah. And general admission for the weekend there is 400 GBP, alarmingly close to Miami's prices. I'm sorry, if Formula One's got an accessibility problem, I sure as hell don't see it. <laughs> yeah, because, like, the only way that you can ensure that you have enough grandstands is, you know, if you build, basically, uh, a permanent facility, which, to get enough real estate to get enough seats in there, it needs to be pretty far away from most populated areas. And right. you're going to need, like, two American college football-sized, like, stadium's worth of seating. Right. And that's not going to happen everywhere, especially on a street circuit. Look. Especially in Miami Gardens, where where mm. some residents were already complaining about the noise. I'd yeah. say, to me, I personally, I don't mind the ticket prices. If... Honestly, if if you want to go to a Grand Prix, uh, you're going to have to probably save up for a year or two to get the funds to go now, which is unfortunate. Though, I think on the other hand, if F1's heading towards this direction, it, they need to make things far more accessible for people at home in terms yes, of... Yes, 100%. In terms of more free-to-air coverage, uh... F1 TV is great, but it still has a couple of nagging issues that still haven't gone away. Mm -hmm. uh, they also need to ensure that all the press conferences are broadcast and do get, uh, you know, a bit of publicity going into them so people know when the when when the press conferences are happening. Just try to make the at home experience more like the experience not only at the track for a fan paying that price. But even better for, you know, because obviously if you go to the track, you can't go to the press conferences. You can't, like, give them the stuff that that they would never be able to buy regardless. I can there's go no, to the press conferences for you. I can, I can ask all your <laughs> yeah, stupid questions. Yeah, get a phone out. Look, look, there's no reason why they can't be live-streamed on F1 TV or even on the YouTube channel. If you put it, if you made it like a members only stream, for example, because YouTube has that feasibility now. There's no reason why they couldn't do that. Look... I get it in the sense of this was everything good and everything bad about what everybody says about Formula One from its reputation standpoint. Like I said, we as, we as consumers are total friggin' hypocrites. I'll be the first person to, to admit this. Like, everybody bitching about Miami being inaccessible, but like I said, they will line around the block for Silverstone tickets every year, and that is the most overpriced horse shit imaginable as a Grand Prix. Yeah, they don't have a marine in Silverstone. All, no. all got, it's, they're building they a hotel, though. They're building a hotel. And there are plenty of other Grand Prix in continental, Europe, like in continental Europe that don't sell out and don't even nearly have ticket prices that high because people simply don't want to go to those places. Right. Like, they'll go to Miami. <laughs> like, build it and they will come. The demand was clearly there for these tickets. No, the demand is clearly there in that, that location. Uh, they're not selling yeah, out not Spielberg, Austria. 
Oh, hell no. Hell no. But this one, like, like, this is where the problem is. The Grand Prix that sold out despite the $2,000 average ticket price. No, the sport's going to be doing backflips about this, that they were able to sell out with such a high ticket demand. They'll probably be higher next year. And yeah. because why not? You know, what? you can't tell the promoters to take money out of their own pockets just because you at home with a Twitter account is telling people that it's too expensive. 80,000 people were prepared to pay that money. So you know what? How can you argue with that? You know, it's just, it's just one of those things. I love like, class warfare. It's great. We, um, and look, I, I, I don't like having to be that guy to point that argument out. I don't like that guy because ultimately, yeah, of course we all want everything to be cheaper if we can help it. But that's just not how functioning society works. Um, it was a good Grand Prix. I thought it was a great spectacle, yeah. a great vibe. I completely agree with RJ over his safety concerns over the track and 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 you know, the track itself yeah. and and you know the safety aspects in that. This is this, this going nowhere. There is a very good event to be had here for the next mm. nine years. By the way, oh, this, is a, this is this is the first year of a ten-year agreement. It's not going away anytime soon unless. I don't know, Stephen Ross has to sell his NFL franchise leading to a cascading <laughs> chain of events that leads to the dissolution of the Miami Grand Prix group. It's but, just, know, that's just the hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. It, we wouldn't get popped for tampering, would he? It's <laughs> just... But assuming that doesn't happen, it's just got to be a matter if the event, the track takes all the first-year feedback seriously. Like they don't have to take every suggestion, but they do at least have to fish you, fit some of the alleviating issues with the track. But they can still make it unique. Like that's one of the things that Lando Norris and Daniel Ricardo liked about the track is that it was unique. This wasn't even like you couldn't even really compare it to Jeddah or Baku or Singapore or any other purpose-built street track we have because it's different. I mean, it's fundamentally so. This was not built by Herman Tilka, so any issues if you have a track, you can't <laughs> hit it on him and his son. And somehow, some way, they made a parking lot circuit feel somewhat distinctive. Like That's after, the other thing. After a session or two, it didn't feel like you were just in a ocean of tarmac. It felt like the drivers were driving through places, and you could kind of mm. mentally put corners in certain areas. Yeah, We're not here to sound like shills for the Formula One management. I love you, Will, but sometimes you do have corny <laughs> takes. But, yeah, they do this... This is a this is a testament to like how far technology and infrastructure has come to where yes you can build a Formula One track inside of a stadium car park and it doesn't feel drab and soulless and nondescript. Absolutely, absolutely. There's life here. It feel they, they, it feels fun. I would they, do they, if I if hmm. I was invited to do this again. I would. Yeah. This looked like this looked like a hell of fun Grand Prix. I would have loved to have done this if the opportunity ever came. I think F1's done a pretty solid job, all things considered. There's a lot to work on still, but this Grand Prix is going to be here to stay. And um, yeah, I look forward to them coming back. We'll see how that goes. Formula One is back in a week and a half's time in Catalonia. Oh, oh you want to talk about destination cities? There's qualities outweigh the quality of the Grand Prix that which it's held. Oh, boy. The, the much-anticipated Spanish Grand Prix of Catalonia. Yay. Crowd favorite, obviously. Um, 
Wait, what do you mean little racing bikes on it? Shit. Anyway, that'll be got it. That, that'll be back in a couple of weeks' time on that one. Busy weekend next weekend. We got a triple header of um, we got MotoGP at Le Mans. Much excited for that. Um, send your prayers to any and all Suzuki employees because they still haven't said anything about them leaving MotoGP officially yet. Um, Normal. Um, send your prayers to Livio and, and the gang because uh, that's going to be a rough one for the, for those dudes out there. We got IndyCar, the IndyCar Grand Prix. Uh, the, the, the GMR is officially called the GMR Grand Prix at the IndyCar Road Course. The, 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 it's it's uh, it's FIFA name would be the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And Tempelhof Knights Formula E in Berlin. That's going to be fun yep. as well. It is a doubleheader, and yes, they are running the track in forward, in forward and reverse. Beautiful. Can't can't wait. Forwards and backwards. It's like wait, it's like playing it's like playing Gran Turismo. Lovely. Right, let's get out of here real quick because we went along on this one, but it was a good time. So yeah, I've been Dre Harrison. You know where to find us by now. They've been RJ O'Connell and Ryan Eric King. Follow them on Twitter and all the good stuff already. You know where to find us. Mostport101.com. All of our stuff is on there. YouTube channel, Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. Follow us on all the good things. We'll see you next week for, for a triple header of fun. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Hang on. So the reason I'm really, really so, missing that cold brew stand at mm. the uh, in the paddock, that cold brew coffee stand. Oh, I want it. So there's there's a lot of stuff. That was the real MV- That was one of the real MVPs of the weekend. <laughs>